Hello and welcome to The Hill here on News Nation as you are looking live right now at the White House, where today the Biden White House trotted out a new defense of the president. It's a familiar one, but not in Democratic circles. How 1600 is reacting today after the special counsel's report questioning the commander in chief's memory. Plus, the Senate is told you're not going home and you might be working on Super Bowl Sunday. Why? The latest on the potential $90 billion foreign aid package. And there is only one person, just one, in the history of this country who has both served in Congress and won a Super Bowl. We'll talk to him and explain why he actually has his legislative sights right now set on the NCAA. Thanks for being with us here on The Hill. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by Michael Starr Hopkins, Democratic strategist. Roma Duravi is a former Trump White House Deputy Director of Communications. Kurt Bardella, Democratic strategist and former House GOP Oversight uh, Committee advisor. And Lauren Wright, Princeton University political strategist. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. Come on in. Thanks for being with us here on the Hill on this Friday afternoon, right off the top from the Hill, the Department of Justice in focus once again. Now, today, a special a special prosecutor was blasted by a team that is trying to win the White House. The special prosecutor repeatedly called gratuitous, inaccurate and inappropriate. His actions were, quote, politically motivated and the country should expect a higher level of integrity. Those were the comments. And by the way, we're not describing Donald Trump saying that. We're not, by the way, describing Republican criticisms of the DOJ either. Today, that was the defense from the Vice President Kamala Harris and the Biden White House. That when it comes to the role and responsibility of a prosecutor in a situation like that, we should expect that there would be a higher level of integrity than what we saw. It comes after the damaging special, uh, damaging report rather, from the special counsel Robert Hur, who cleared President Biden from criminal wrongdoing and how he handled classified documents. But the special counsel also described the incumbent as a quote, well-meaning elderly man with poor memory. After the president tried to defend himself last night, which concluded with another verbal slip, the White House today was repeatedly faced with questions. The reality is that report, that part of the report, does not live in reality. It just doesn't. It is unacceptable, and it does not live in reality. That is just the facts. Okay, so as we project forward, the questions for the race for the White House seemingly include this. Will the Trump candidacy find its way through four criminal cases, and do Americans think President Biden is fit for another four years? Hello to you all. I think that sets the scene after last night and what we saw. I mean, talk about the tables being turned, Lauren. You had the Biden White House today going after a prosecutor appointed within the Biden right. DOJ. 
I mean, I thought it was a disaster. This press conference was supposed to assuage concerns about Biden's mental fitness and his ability to communicate. It did the exact opposite. In the Q&A, he mixed up the president of Mexico and Egypt, for instance. And, you know, we can talk about it later. I don't think the age is as much of a political liability as others do. But really? Yes. Why? Here's the issue. Well, because Trump is also old and because you're not focusing on Biden's policies if you're just talking about his age. It's identity-based. Those arguments are not the strongest ones. You were were at Roman within the Trump White House. What did you make of the decision to run the president back out there after essentially giving comments on it a, a few hours or so beforehand? Well, look, the White House is clearly on cleanup duty right now. They are not happy with the way that press conference went last night. And maybe it's because Joe Biden has done at 30 max in his entire term as president. If he got a little more practice in, they might have gone a little better. But he does not talk to the press. He does not talk to the American people on a daily basis the way that President Trump did. You know that very well. You saw me on the North Lawn many times with all of the different advisors for him. It's just not the way that this White House operates. They like to play everything very safe. They hide behind the scenes. They have that little door you know, down in lower press where you can go ask them a question every now and then. But it's really not providing a a firm image to the American people. And so what they saw last night from President Biden was not what they were hoping for. You're seeing that play out all day today with the VP. Democrats, though, have been crushing Donald Trump and Republicans for going after the DOJ. That's what the vice president and the White House did today, did they not? That's exactly what they did. That's exactly exactly what they did. And listen, I mean, I, I think you're right. When you hide the president, which he, which has been the, the accusation to this entire time, you kind of play into, oh, maybe there's something to Maybe he's too old. Maybe he's not up for it. Then when you put him out there, he misspeaks. And then you're like, well, I guess they were right about him being too old. I mean, that's kind of a catch-22. There is no good answer for him because if, if they didn't bring him out last night, the reason would be we'd be sitting here right now saying, well, they didn't trot him out there because he, he doesn't have it together mentally, and right? And they've been a little complicit in creating this narrative. Look, they're not doing the Super Bowl interview that presidents normally do. I'm, a, I'm an attorney. I don't really like the fact that uh, Special Counsel Her editorialized in his briefing. But the, there's a point to this. There are questions about Biden's age, about whether the president is fit for this. And Democrats can solve this. The White House can solve this. I think the president should get out, do an Oval Office address, address the nation, talk about can the fact that— Can they solve it, though? Yeah, but it's like you can't solve someone's age. What they should do is put the transcript out. If I were the White House, if you really think that things were cherry-picked inaccurately— put together. Listen, I worked at the Oversight Committee. There's a very simple answer to this, which is release the transcript so we can see for ourselves in full context of what those exchanges were. I think Roman has a really good point. They've got to put him in front of the camera over and over and over again because they there is this so, idea that he's been hit. They would here. if they could. They but, would if they could. Hey, Trump, he's Trump not makes willing to every do day, it. I'm not willing we've to do it. And, and the, and they have a chance to make a change with President Biden on the world stage to the American people almost a month to the day. He has to give a State of the Union address about a month from now. Okay. Unless the if, government shuts down. If he does not have a <laughs> resounding performance with applause all the way around okay. Congress halls, uh, it's they're going to have a real problem. All right, come on in. The Democratic congressman from the state of California, Brad Sherman, a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee. Congressman, thanks for being back here on the Hill. Appreciate the time you've been listening some, to some of this. You heard President Biden last night. How concerned are you based on what you saw last night and from what the special counsel, Robert Herr, wrote in his report? 
I saw the president speak very articulately and very forcefully to the Democratic uh, caucus, small room, great performance. Then I read this report from a Republican. And I got to give Biden credit for this. When they appoint a special counsel, they've chosen Trump appointees who are Republicans. That provides some feeling of credibility, but it also, in this case, leads to this Robert uh, Herr uh, using his position as a person who's supposed to decide whether to bring charges or not to editorialize about how he doesn't like this president and perhaps he likes another president. Yes, our guy is three years older, but their guy is 83 pounds heavier. And if I was a life insurance agent, I wouldn't call on Mr. Trump. So what, what, do you, what do you say to this, though? And you can think of both men however you wish. But the polling, uh, would, who would be better when it comes to being competent and effective? In June of 2020, so right before the presidential election then, 47% for Joe Biden, 38% for Donald Trump. But now, Congressman, that number, competent and effective, is all the way down to 22%. So you could say whoever you would want to be writing the life insurance policy, but the American people seemingly aren't buying it. We're going to see this economy turn around. It has already begun. The stock market has, is a predictor. It's a leading indicator. And uh, I think uh, by the summer, people will respect what the president has done economically. And uh, and we'll see uh, uh, that reflected in the polls. So um, I'm glad you, constant- I, don't mean to, I don't mean to jump in, Congressman, but I'm glad you mentioned the economy because today, and I was going to ask you about this, the S&P 500 closed for the first time above 5,000. That there, a record. It closed above 5,000 today. It closed above 4,000 in the beginning of the Biden presidency. I would think that Democrats would be screaming to the rooftops about this. And, and you just brought it up to your credit. But does all, doesn't all the other stuff cloud that? And isn't that part of, part of the problem? Well, what matters is the real economy. But you have the smartest people, the richest people on Wall Street betting that the real economy is going to be going very well this summer. That's why they're buying stocks now. And if they're right, and they're not always right, uh, these polls will certainly turn around. Uh, The fact is that Biden has put together an outstanding uh, legislative accomplishments. He may be the most accomplished president we've had, uh, perhaps since Roosevelt. And uh, I think that as people look and see what we're doing on on on, on infrastructure, et cetera, uh, that uh, Biden will win by a comfortable majority. Perhaps, Congressman, the one of the biggest things that came out of last night was when the president went back to the microphone and spoke about Israel and Gaza. He said this and I'll get your reaction on the other side. I'm of the view, as you know, that. The conduct of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip, has been um, over the top. Over the top, he says. You disappointed in those remarks, Congressman? Look, we see these pictures coming out of Gaza. Uh, all of us want to see an end to the fighting. Uh, it would be great if Israel, uh, if Hamas would, uh, would would leave Gaza and allow the rebuilding process. Uh, until then, uh, it's it's uh, you're showing the scenes on on the screen right now. Uh, that's what happens when a terrorist organization 
uh, puts uh, uses civilian buildings and 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 civilians uh, as human shields. Um, the Hamas leadership needs to leave, and then we've got to rebuild Gaza for the people of Gaza. Okay, got to leave it there, Congressman Brad Sherman from California. Again, thank you for the time, Congressman. We'll see you again soon. Good to be with you. Yep. Uh, I'll tell you one of the things that I thought about last night, if we can cue up the, the John McCain soundbite. It was September of uh, 20, 2008. September 2008. I know where you're going with this. You know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. John McCain said the fundamentals of our economy are strong. And within hours, bang, Lehman Brothers went down. And that was basically the end of John McCain's campaign. Barack Obama's campaign jumped on it. Here was the commercial back from September of 2008. An ad, watch. Fundamentals of our economy are strong. Fundamentals of our economy are strong. Wonder if last night's performance was that kind of a moment for President Biden, or is there a difference because we're in February and there's nine months to go? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple things going on. We have to be careful of not being prisoners of the moment. I think a lot of times, given social media, we can get trapped in that. We are so far away from Election Day. Nine months, anything can happen, but we have to make sure that we don't get these... Uh, ideas baked in. And that's it's a really be the nice spin. I love that. Uh, but it's not <laughs> accurate. You know, I, just because you say it over and over again, you say it louder doesn't make it true. And that's what Joe Isn't Biden what tried Trump to do last the night. Time he's been on stage? No, absolutely not. There is one. Donald Trump is a lot of things. A liar is not one of them. What? Hold on a second. He's got like 5,000. He will tell you exactly what he's thinking. Who won the 2020 election? He will tell you exactly what he's thinking. He will be straightforward with the American people. He's straightforward about lying. I'm telling I mean, you come that, on. that is the shark on that. Listen, I mean, I don't agree with everything he says, but like, sorry, I he lies. I mean, he openly lies oh, real quick, about like everything. Real quick, Infrastructure Act, CHIPS Act, 11 million new jobs, 750,000 you know new manufacturing. But it's going to come back to what's in your bank account. The CHIPS Act came from the Trump era. At the end of the day, it's going to go back to who do you trust. Okay. And who do you trust? Is it going to be chaos? So let me ask, so, so let me ask you this. Not Biden with the economy. So, so let me ask you this. If it does come back to who do you trust, 2016, you had two of the least liked presidential candidates of all time at that Mm -hmm. time. Uh, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. And to use the Super Bowl analogy, sometimes the game is won when you have the ball last. Yeah. Right. And what was the last thing in 2016? James Comey. Right. And and you got to wonder, did that sort of remind people, eh, maybe Hillary Clinton isn't as trustworthy as as we think? Do you think it comes down to, to, Lauren, something like that or uh, an October surprise or not necessarily? Maybe because I have a hard time thinking that people are going to feel better about the economy. They're angry. They're retrospectively voting. They want to punish the person they perceive is responsible. And I would argue he's partly responsible, at least, for the inflation and the economic system that everyone's very upset with. But let me just say something about your interview, which was, you had great questions for Congressman Sherman. You got an A from the professor? Yes, you have, okay. you have an A. But what was so interesting about the defense of Biden is nobody is saying, he's fine, he's sharp as heck. You know, that's not what people are saying. Democrats are saying that, well, look at Trump, you know, right. he's old too, and they're saying it's politically motivated, okay. I, which is the Trump playbook. We, we got to run, but I want to put an image on the screen real quick okay. and around the table, one word or a few words. This was last night as the president was giving uh, an address, a snap Shot, President Biden in the foreground, talk, talking or having a conversation, screaming at however you want to look at it. Reporters, <laughs> George Washington in the background. Based off of what we heard and saw last night, you look at that image, what do you see? This is a tired presidency. What do you see? They're twinning. What do you see? Commander in chief. 
trying to be forceful, good still image. The video is bad. Okay, all right, I'll leave it there. Coming up, President Biden saying that Republicans in the House are doing something that is close to criminal in his words. It involves a showdown over foreign aid. On the other side of the break, we speak with one of the most influential Republicans in the House and ask for his response. Plus, a live look here at the U.S. Capitol as we head to break. Did you know this? There is only one person who has been a member of Congress and won a Super Bowl, got the big trophy, and went to the halls. Who might that be? Well, we will actually speak with him later in the show when The Hill on News Nation returns. I found this fascinating. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. So tonight, yes, on Friday night, the Senate is moving ahead with a stripped-down bill, which would provide tens of billions of dollars of aid for Israel and Ukraine. Now, the Senate is expected to work through the weekend with the hope of a final vote early next week. It comes after a broader bill, the one that included foreign aid, as well as $20 billion for money on the southern border and reforms, was killed. Today, President Biden blasted that action. have anything better to do? You have issues on the border, issues with migration, issues with the national debt, more than $33 trillion. That's obviously not President Biden. We'll get to Vladimir Putin in a second. But the president said the failure of the United States Congress, if it occurs, not to support Ukraine is close to criminal neglect. It is outrageous. Now, if current aid uh, does pass... It is not known if the House Speaker Mike Johnson will allow a vote on it. One of those who has opposed more aid to Israel, at least if it's not paid for as well, is the Republican Congressman Bob Good, also the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, and joins us live. Congressman, thanks for being with us here on the Hill. Once again, appreciate the time. We obviously had the wrong soundbite there. But uh, just to to replay what, what the president said, he said it would be close to criminal neglect outrageous if the U.S. Congress does not support Ukraine with more money down the line. How would you respond to him? Well, I'm, I'm glad I'd like to hear the president be concerned about our own border crisis that he has created, the, the safety and security of Americans. One of the reasons why he's going to lose in November is because Americans are less safe and less secure because of this president. He took executive action to open the border, to promise amnesty to those who came here illegally. Uh, and he did that by executive action on his own. And now he claims that he can't reverse that. He can't reverse the very policies that he enacted in order to create this border invasion. So I wish he was concerned about the safety and security of Americans. Instead, he wants to spend, but you know, Congressman, borrow, he wants to borrow tens of billions of dollars and send it overseas to Ukraine without a strategic defense uh, on how that's in America's national security interests. Our, our, our ally Bradley is reporting that Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, ICE, is redeploying fugitive operations uh, operators back to regular enforcement efforts due to a lack of funding, a $1 billion deficit with ICE, and now they are having to turn agents around and do other things. You could have had $20 billion down for the border, so I, I hear you push back on the president, but what would you say to ICE who says, you well, know what, 
We've got a billion that, dollar deficit and now we got to do other that's things. That's an easy one. The reason why they don't have enough resources is because they're spending those resources to process more illegals in the country as quickly as they can. Ten million illegals who've been allowed in the country under this president. And matter of fact, if they wanted border security, if they didn't have enough resources, they wouldn't be fighting the state of Texas, suing the state of Texas, cutting the border barriers, the, the barbed wire that they're putting in place, making them remove the floating barriers. Literally, Texas is trying to stand in the gap and defend their citizens. And the Biden administration doesn't want to let them do it. If they needed help with resources and manpower, they would let Texas help them out. What about the billion? Should Congress give it to them? Uh, they don't need more money. There's no reason to give Biden and Mayorkas more money to bring more okay. illegals into the country as quickly as possible. They're not using it to enforce. They're not, they're not returning anyone. They're not detaining anyone. They're quickly releasing them into the interior of our country. They've done irreparable harm to the national security of the United States and the economic security of the United States with what they've done with this border invasion. So if the congressman, if the $95 billion package, $60 billion for Ukraine, $17 billion for Israel, passes the Senate in the upcoming days, potentially early next week, Monday, Tuesday, and then it potentially moves to the House, should Mike Johnson, the House Speaker, bring it to the floor in your view? No, he shouldn't, because we shouldn't borrow $100 billion from our kids and our grandkids for foreign aid. We shouldn't borrow that. We've got a $200 billion monthly deficit. We've got $34 trillion in national debt, unprecedented fiscal crisis. Again, further exacerbated by this president's unprecedented level of spending. We've never spent that much money in the first three years of presidency ever. Our debt to GDP has never been this high, except in World War II. And that was because we were defeating Nazi Germany and imperialist Japan. We don't have the ability to respond to a major crisis on the international stage like World War III because of the debt we're coming into it. He's depleted our own military the way he's diminished it. He's weakened our own military. Our, our respect on the national stage is depleted because of this president. So no, we shouldn't borrow $100 billion to send it overseas. Let me ask you this, Congressman, and lastly, because we don't know what Mike Johnson's going to do if he does, if it passes and Mike Johnson does bring it to the House floor, does that trigger some sort of mechanism for someone to challenge his, his speakership, in your view? Or well, not there's, necessarily? There's, there, there's widespread support for Israel. And to make that point, virtually every Republican supports Israel as our number one ally. We just think it ought to be paid for instead of borrowed from our kids and grandkids. But with respect to Ukraine, we have a majority of the majority rule that we put in place a year ago where we're not supposed to bring legislation that doesn't have a majority Republicans. And the Ukraine funding does not have a majority Republican support, so it shouldn't come to the floor for a vote. So would, would it trigger anything against the House Speaker or no? Well, I never threatened that with the previous speaker. I certainly don't threaten that with the current speaker. Uh, I can't speak for every Republican in the House. Uh, every speaker serves the pleasure of 218 members. Got to leave it there. Congressman Good, again, thank you for being back here on the Hill. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Great to be with you. Thank you. Yep. What'd you hear there, Roma? Well, look, he made a lot of different points. Uh, what happens on the Hill is going to be very complex. I wouldn't be surprised if they kick around a few other uh, bills before something actually gets to the floor in the House. But it's not to be... Um you know, you shouldn't just pass that aside as nothing. It matters. The Republicans are not happy with this bill and they're not just going to roll over. I think we saw that they stick to their guns when, you know, they have their entire speaker battle. Um, but what the, the money that they're talking about is not small potatoes either. I mean, it's 95 billion. I mean, that's right. And the Ukraine funding specifically that was allocated to that nation was more than the amount of money that the U.S. Marines get every year. So that is what these Republicans are comparing it to. Floor. 
Sure. Should it come to the floor if it passes? Yes. I mean, the unfortunate part about the dysfunctional House right now is no one knows what happens when right. it comes to the floor. The fact that that's We've even, never seen the a, fact that that's even a like question this. is pretty remarkable, it's is insane. it not? insane. And Nancy Pelosi, of course, never went to the floor without knowing the count of votes, pretty much exactly. That's so easy to do, though, because the Democrats stay in line. They're really kind but of she one also had a four That's not margin. how Republicans operate. I'm sorry. Operate. I, I couldn't remember, like, headline after headline of... Democrats in disarray before they got these things passed. I mean, again, at the end of the day, your job is to count votes if you are in leadership. That is what that is what you run on. That is what, what you're elected. If you can't know the outcome of a vote when you bring a bill to the floor and you're the Republican leadership, don't put it on the floor. What do you make of that answer of, so why not give ICE a billion dollars and, and shutting it down? I don't really understand the, the calculus here. You have a border issue, which you've made the main focus of your platform. Now you have a bill that was put forth and you don't support the bill, even though the most conservative members of the Senate support it. You basically put them out to dry. And now you're saying you don't want funding. Okay. It, it, it's, it's a mixed messaging. And it, they've really kind of screwed over well, this. Well, they yeah, said it very publicly. Republicans yeah. have said they don't want to pass anything right now that could in any way be a political win for Joe Biden. That's the only but reason the why they're not passing being it right in, now. Being in love with the problem and not the solution. And I think voters are going to punish them for that. Can I just yeah. say, though, Republicans are not of the mindset of just throwing money at things and hoping that it gets fixed. They're, they're not just... Like a pretty but good they are, they're not they just going to throw money at the border. They didn't see and blowing up the deficit to do the tax cuts that they didn't pay for. The last president is throwing more money than all the presidents before him and adding to the deficit with those tax cuts. They're giving up also opportunities to reveal the insane progressives on the Democratic side, on Israel, on immigration. If they would just pass these standalone bills, they could claim credit for it. All right, by the way, did you see this? Here is the former House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy casually hanging out last night but by looking at this would you have any idea where he is he, hold on he, Should, well, can he, we take frank's camera for a second because they're all like looking trying to figure out what's uh everyone's leading us all right put the picture back up the picture taken by cbs is he O'Keefe. he's in front of a cash bar. donald no that's not a uh, yeah that might on be a cash bad bar. carpet is he casino is it casino close you're very close oh, that was at donald trump's guess. victory party after no he way. won the nevada caucuses last night no yeah way. really mccarthy wow. who is an ally of trump's had what he called quote an interesting in relationship an <laughs> with the former president during his speakership by the way kevin mccarthy was asked if he had any interest in uh, running the rnc the republican national committee quote no 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 <laughs> So that answers that. Wow. If you had any questions. <laughs> the, the outfit's kind of Jesus. interesting. I need a closer look at that. He, he had, like, Crocs on or he, something. He kind of got Crocs. Crocs. Yeah. Yeah. All right, coming up, uh, that interview between Tucker Carlson and the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. We, we talked about it at this time yesterday because it was breaking at this time. Now we've gotten to look at the full thing. So what to make of it? That's more. Uh, more ahead, rather, when The Hill on News Nation returns. Stay with us. <laughs> All right, welcome back here to The Hill. So there was mixed reaction, one way to put it, to Tucker Carlson's interview with the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. The Wall Street Journal, for example, asking today, quote, what did Putin gain from sitting down with Carlson? Now, instead of trying to persuade Americans about the validity of his views, Putin used the interview to lecture the U.S., over its involvement in Ukraine. Watch this video provided by the Tucker Carlson Network. Don't you have anything better to do? You have issues on the border, issues with migration, issues with the national debt, more than $33 trillion. You have nothing better to do, so you should fight in Ukraine? Putin also spent a great deal of the sit-down interview, which 
was at points almost like a diatribe of, of how he views Russian history. Um, so here was another comment that caught my attention. He said, I'll tell you what we are saying on this matter and what we are conveying, speaking of Ukraine, to U.S. leadership. If you really want to stop fighting, you need to stop supplying weapons. It will be over within a few weeks. You listen to the whole thing of this. Over within a few weeks means put down the weapons, we slaughter everyone, and then we slaughter as many and then move on. Yeah, and then Russia retakes land as if it was Soviet Russia. It, it was a really weird interview. He lectured him as if he was uh, a freshman in AP Government 101. There was no pushback from Tucker uh, along the historical lines, which I thought was awkward. I've done Tucker's show when he was on another network previously. He's known to be verbose and cocky and really push back on historical facts. That was not the Tucker we saw. And Putin... Why, why do you think? One, I don't think anyone really wants to push back against Putin in his own yard. I mean, look okay. at what he's done to the Wall Street Journal reporter. Yep. Uh, but two, he, he did say he was open to some sort of a, a swap, but wants a, a Russian assassin in, in, in return. Yeah, and I mean, he, he went as far as to kind of push... Tucker and make comments about him previously having applied to the CIA and almost intimidate him. It was very a Putin-style appearance. I mean, Michael makes a really important point here. I wouldn't say that journalists interviewing totalitarian leaders is totally off the table if you're going to push back and defend our country and push the facts. I mean, apparently that's not what happened throughout the interview, and so that does do damage. That's not good for the U.S., and it's not good for the media. Here was the response from the White House yesterday when asked about this, this interview, something to keep in perspective. Watch. Again, I don't think the American people are going to be swayed by one single interview. Remember, you're listening to Vladimir Putin, and uh, you shouldn't take at face value anything he has to say. Mm-hmm. Former KGB agent Vladimir Putin, John Kirby at the White House. I mean, what was interesting, hearing that soundbite that you played of Putin, the language he used was just about the same language we just heard from Congressman Good. Talk about, well, why is Biden even worrying about this right now? We have a border problem. We have a migrant problem. We have uh, financial issues. We shouldn't be spending all this money. It's really eerie to me how similar so the rhetoric you, was. you say that. Here's Tommy Tuberville, Senator, Alabama. Last night's interview with Putin shows that Russia is open to a peace agreement. When it is D.C. warmongers who want to prolong the war, that's why I'm voting to stop $60 billion more of our tax dollars to this conflict. You take issue with him siding. You can oppose it for one reason, but siding with Vladimir Putin as, as the reason why. Yeah, I'm not so interested in what Putin said during that interview because it is Vladimir Putin, and we do have to be very careful about what he's saying. It is by its own accord, propaganda, right? So at the end of the day, I hope the Americans realize that this is, um, you know, convoluted. It's, it's meant to persuade Americans against each other. And that was, in my opinion, Putin's goal here. So he has not done an interview in probably five years, and he chooses to do an interview and- with an American journalist. He has not spoken to Biden in two years. So why now and why is he deciding that Tucker is the person that he should be talking to? Because Tucker is the perfect foil for him, the perfect patsy. Tucker has been someone who's parroted the language. Tucker literally has parroted the Kremlin's language. It's not an accident that he didn't choose. It was on Russian Russian state media. Yeah, I mean, the the Kremlin cut the video then and put it out. It's really dangerous for the supporters of Russia. I will tell you, did you travel on the Helsinki trip? I wasn't on that one. So I was on that yeah. one and in the room with Trump and Putin. And when yeah. Vladimir Putin walks in the room and I, I don't know, I was 30 feet away or something like that, 40 feet away, you're like, holy smokes, <laughs> that's Vladimir Putin. Your back Definitely. straightens up a little bit. Yeah, huh? your back straightens up a little bit. You feel it. Uh, all right. Take a look at this chart. It, it's a story that made headlines earlier this week. Maybe not a lot of spots, but I saw this and I said, hmm, what about it? Look at that right there. 
That is the U.S. import of goods in 2023. Now, the, the black line there is Mexico. The blue line is, or, sorry, black line China, blue line Mexico. And, and we zoom in on 2023 toward the end there. And for the first time since basically the turn of the century, we are importing more from Mexico than we are from China. You could interpret this on a whole different set of ways. What do you, when you look at that, what do you see? I mean, all I hear is China's a big enemy. China is our big adversary. Why would we buy more China? I mean, it, it does make sense. The narrative that's already starting to be shaped is, well, this makes the case for shutting down the border more difficult because commercially it'll have costs for us, which I think is so a that's really I, bad argument. So that's what I, we could look at that, right? Like our reliance on China or now all of a sudden our reliance on Mexico with yeah. everything that's going on on the southern border. Our, our biggest trade partner being at our border and us talking about them also being a national security threat while also talking about a narco state is very problematic. So at the end of the day, Republicans and Democrats are going to have to figure something out because we can't have a trade partner like that and have instability. By the yeah. way, well, economists say uh, this is linked to the tariffs imposed by the Trump administration and then maintained by the Biden administration. Absolutely. I like to think that this has a lot to do with the China agreement, has a lot to do with USMCA. You know, I do think that we can be tough on Mexico and have them be our best partner at the same time, because if you are tough the way that President Trump was saying, you need to help us with the border or we are going to put tariffs on you, they immediately sent people down to protect the border. And at at the end of the day, it's helpful for them, too. You know, their economy is not going to do well if they have so many people leaving. And also, the more that the cartels take over in Mexico, the less they have control, the less they're able to export. All of it is for the benefit of both nations. All right. Still much more ahead here on the Hill. Taking a live look right now at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas ahead of Super Bowl 58. Just a couple days away from the big game, you might be asking, why on earth are you showing the the Super Bowl on a politics show? Well, it's a Super Bowl. It's the biggest thing this country does besides (laughs) the presidential election. So why not? But did you know that there is one person who won a Super Bowl and then became a member of Congress? Only person ever to do it. He's going to join us on the other side of the break. And by the way, he's pushing legislative fixes related to football. Not at the NFL, toward the NCAA. Burgess Owens on the other side of the break when the Hill returns. Brian's going to actually show you the route. With the insider details you'll only find on News Nation. Pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together in this mystifying case. Banfield, weeknights at 10, 9 central, only on America's fastest growing cable news network, News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com or stream News Nation on Apple CarPlay and Alexa. Hey everyone, Operation Lifesaver here. Today, we're going to find out what delivery drivers know about railroad safety. What do you do if your vehicle gets stuck on the railroad tracks? Get out of the car. Correct. Do you take the pizza? No, then I call my boss. No, then you call the number on the blue and white ENS sign. And tell them I'm stuck in the Crescent ID number. Exactly. Remember, get out, get away. Find the blue and white sign to save your life. Leave the pizza. See tracks? Think train. For more information, go to OLI.org. Are you prepared for an emergency or disaster? Because it's not a matter of if, but when. 
Don't find yourself saying, I'll trust water bottles and a flashlight to save the day, but I'll be proved wrong. With a tornado approaching, I'll realize that I like a wheelchair accessible shelter. When the floodwaters rise, I'll be up in the attic with 20 cans of beans. It's a recipe for disaster. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Get started at ready.gov slash older adults. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Through Travis Mannion Foundation's Operation Legacy Service Projects, Veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians across the country come together under the common cause to serve in honor of our nation's heroes. Service projects include city beautifications, planting memorial trees, volunteering at shelters, park cleanups, and more. Ask yourself, if not me, then who? And register for a project near you or as a virtual volunteer by visiting oplegacy.org. Thank you for listening to News Nation, America's independent source for unbiased news. News Nation, news for all America. Smokey the Bear. Then you know why Smokey tells you when he sees you passing through. Remember, please be careful, it's the least that you can do. Don't play with matches, don't play with fire. After 80 years of learning his wildfire prevention tips, Smokey Bear lives within us all. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com and remember, only you can prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the USDA Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only one in five people with autism are employed, despite many having the skill set and desire to work. Maybe it's because employers don't know what kind of jobs they can do. Like, what about a programmer? That's a job for someone with autism. Uh, How about a healthcare worker? Yep. That is too. People with autism can do a lot of different jobs, but often get overlooked due to outdated stigmas. Introducing WIN by Autism Speaks. We help businesses lead the way in inclusive hiring. What about a ranch hand? To learn more, go to autismspeaks.org slash WIN. My mom has decided to learn to paint and she's good. My dad's now into creative cuisine and I've already put on six pounds. Learning new things comes with age. My mom? She started forgetting my name and what we're talking about. Forgetting well-known things doesn't. Memory loss may be a sign of Alzheimer's disease. Early detection gives you and your loved one time to plan for the future. Learn the warning signs of Alzheimer's at 10signs.org. Brought to you by the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Maybe he was born with his witty humor. Some people bring joy wherever they go. Some whenever they go. Or as a frontier newspaper reporter. There's nothing to be learned from the second kick of a mule. Maybe he got his insights from being a riverboat captain. Never argue with a fool. Onlookers may not be able to tell the difference. Wherever he went, Mark Twain found humor all around. Humor. Pass it on. From PassItOn.com. sense of theme here your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place rewind tv just go to rewindtv.com and check it out congress might actually not able uh, be able to fully enjoy the big game at least those in the senate here's why as we mentioned earlier the senate is considering the foreign aid package Now, if it passes, there will also be a procedural vote scheduled at a later date, potentially on Super Bowl Sunday. So earlier today, the senator from Kansas, Chiefs fan Roger Marshall, was asked about how he plans to both watch the game and participate in the Senate. And that was his joke right there on X. 
You can see the old TV <laughs> with some wires on it. Reminds me of middle school, essentially. Uh, meantime, a new survey estimated that a record $23 billion will be gambled on this year's big game. It got us thinking about how bookmakers are looking at the presidential election and where those odds currently stand. Here they are, according to the Action Network. Right now, Donald Trump, the favorite, with a 46% chance of victory, sits at minus 110. uh, President Biden at 29%, plus 200. You see the odds there on down the line. So as we head into the big game, what do you make of those odds? On the presidential side. I like those odds. I'm a betting man. I'll take those odds any day. As the Democrat, you're taking that? Yeah, can we get some parlays in there, man? What are you, you going to parlay, like down-ballot races? Yeah, the Senate. Who takes the Senate? Who takes okay. the House? We can really mix this up. I like the Michelle Obama at 9% there. That, yeah. That was you started okay. mixing up a little bit. Is that what she's at? Yeah, 9% of plus 900. 30% is looking pretty good to the Democrats, sadly. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess when you met... So I'm happy. There's, there's some, I guess... You know, speculation there on what happens with the president. So it's not actually a. We can take Larry Hogan out of there. Uh, And the no labels candidacy. Yeah, now now he's running for Senate. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying what? No, Trump's on top. He's uh, winning. So, you know, it's what we got him right want. where we want him. Yeah, right where we want him. The underdog. So, while much of the country's attention is focused on the Super Bowl, of course, college players, by the way, are involved in an important moment of their own, and it involves Congress. Did you see this from earlier this week? Senators Marsha Blackburn and Cory Booker, Republican, Democrat, they have reintroduced the NCAA Accountability Act. It's an attempt to establish due process protections for college athletes and speed up investigations into potential rules violations, including those around NIL, which is name, image, and likeness. Now, the bill was originally introduced in the House by a group that of lawmakers that includes, again, both Democrats and Republicans. One of them, the congressman from Utah, Burgess Owens, who is also, by the way, the only member of Congress, we believe, to ever win the big game. He joins us live. Congressman Owens, thanks for being with us here on the Hill. I think you have your ring. Can you show it to us? (laughs) There you go. There it is. You wear it. Blake, Blake. Blake, this is back when the Raiders used to win football games all the time. So I know a lot of young people don't remember those days, but they they did happen for sure. Show show it again because we had the the banner up, if if, if you don't mind. (laughs) There you go. By the way, I just realized you you played your college ball at the University of Miami. I grew up down the street, so go Canes. There you go. Um, I, I wonder what you make of, you know, the situation right now. The NFL is arguably the most or one of the most popular things in this country. And Congress is arguably one of the least popular things in this country, Congressman. What do you think the, that the United States Congress could potentially learn from the NFL? Well, uh, I, first of all, there's so much uh, chaos right now, unfortunately, in, in college with all the things going on, the portal, uh, the way that the game is now set up. Uh, it, it is, and I, I understand, there's, there's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of talent. Uh, and young people should have an opportunity to, to take those, uh, the routes that they, they could take. Uh, but again, it just me, it just changes the game in such a way. Uh, I was personally, uh, looking, looking at college being my, my way of just getting away from it all because NFL has become yeah. so political nowadays. Uh, but unfortunately, it, we now see that, uh, uh, there's, there's just so much, so much, uh, again, I'd say the word chaos because there's just no predictability anymore. So we're hoping in some kind of way to find a way to bring that back. Uh, and that was, that's what the House was looking at. Uh, I haven't been keeping up with the Senate so far, so I'm not sure where they are at this point, but we're trying our best to make sure there's a, there's some type of, 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 of system of order, for sure. There was a big story earlier this week, Congressman, involving Dartmouth and the men's basketball program there and saying that the players 
could potentially unionize and be treated as employees. I have two questions there. Should they unionize? And should players be employees of schools, as you see it? No. Uh, no. Uh, that, that, you know, it's, it's interesting. We, for many of us who enjoyed college, it's because it's, lack, it's lacking all this, um, uh, this professionalism, everything that comes with it, all the drama that comes with it. Uh, we just want these young people to be able to play their game. Uh, they're not employees of the college. They're students. And they should always look as big as look at, look, look, look at students. So, no, I, I think if you want to just continue to destroy college for what it is, continue to go this route where you're making a professional, making a professional sport when it's, when it's not. Do you think Congress ends up doing anything about this? Because I've seen congressmen all of these hearings in the Senate and in the House. And as I talk about in this country, don't mess with my football, right? Like people want uh, among <laughs> a handful of things that they want left alone. Just leave my football alone. And so it seems like a, a popular issue to take up. And I wonder if it's just not yourself because it's personal to you, but if other law, lawmakers are just doing this so that they can get on TV back home and saying, look, I'm trying to keep the football and help the kids. Well, well you know, Blake, this is such a, a different conversation. Uh, and it does take a passion. Uh, I don't have that passion. We do have some Congress people that are very much into the game. They understand what's going on, what's at risk, and they also have the bandwidth uh, to, to have to speak about it. That's what it's going to take because we're in, we're truly in the wild, wild west right now when it comes to college football. And, and the fans want to hold on to the old school, the old style of just enjoying their game, knowing it's, it's, it's for the love of the game. And, and if we lose that, uh, it, right now we have, for instance, players that when it comes to the playoff game, uh, the, the, the bowl games at the end of the year, they're not showing up because there's so much at yeah. risk for their, their, uh, their, their, the physical risk. So it's changing so much the way we used to look at the game. And uh, I would say those who are, are really into it, and they are some, they should go for it. They should put their energy into making sure that, that we're hearing from these industries, uh, being, uh, the, the innovators, right. and figure out how to make through this process. Congressman, I got to run, but as you wear your Super Bowl ring, who you got this weekend? Uh, well, I am a uh, Kansas City fan only because of Andy Reid, but I have not watched football for five years, my friends. When they stopped kneeling, really? I stopped watching. I, I, unfortunately, the NFL should be a place of bringing people together between huh. the Black National Anthem, which you're going to have some people standing, some not, between the, the, the kneeling for the flag, okay. with some people standing. That is not what the NFL, NFL and, and the military should be. It should be bring us together, right. not dividing us. Let us enjoy the game. Got to run. Uh, fascinating and great to talk to you, Congressman Owens. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. One word, Chiefs or Niners? Chiefs. Niners. Usher. Usher. Niners? Usher. Anyone better on the other side of the break when the hell returns. Thank you all. Fun show. We'll be right back. <laughs> News Nation's Morning in America is now on the weekends, too. Every Saturday and Sunday at 7 Eastern, wake up with anchor Hannah Doba. Here's a look at today's top stories. Start your weekend off right with Morning in America, 7 Eastern, 6 Central, only on News Nation. All right, welcome back here to The Hill. So the big story this week, of course, the special counsel report coming out against President Biden, the White House, Leland Vittert on defense the last couple of days. You got the... The last man standing in the Democratic primary coming and he up. Is, he is still standing. There's been one Democrat who's been talking about this issue for President Biden loudly. Mm-hmm. That's Dean Phillips, mm-hmm. congressman from Minnesota, uh, who is running for the Democratic nomination. Still Not exactly it. successfully so right. far. We're going to ask him about that. But look, this brings up a really important question. You made the point. Michelle Obama, the betting odds now going up. <laughs> there's, there's now real conversations being had. What is the option? 
right. uh, for Democrats. Right, and we saw, we've seen the vice president not, I don't think related to the last couple of days, but the vice president Kamala Harris start to get out on the trail and before the cameras a lot more frequently. Dean Phillips coming up. You decide whether it's related <laughs> or not, 